0: Hey, how's it going? This is Matt here from Silver Fortune. So I want to take some time today to talk about the dollar milkshake theory. Now, the dollar milkshake theory is a theory that originally was put forth by a guy by the name of Brent Johnson from Santiago Capital. If you guys have been in this space for some amount of time, uh, you've, you've probably seen him interviewed somewhere. You've seen him, uh, his writing somewhere. You've seen him on Twitter. A very bright individual and by all means a gold bug. Right? He, he's said it a thousand times, I feel like, you know, he thinks everybody should own gold, and, and his theory is by no means trying to push people away from gold, or silver, or whatever, uh, your, your metal of choices. But, I want to take some time today to talk about this dollar milkshake theory, which I think has, has got quite a bit of attention here in the precious metal space, and why I'm not necessarily buying it, not that by any means I... I, I Discounted, or say that it's 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 bogus that it's not going to happen. I think there's some real logic to it, but I'm, I'm still not necessarily buying it. I'm not subscribing to theory. Now, with that being said, this is by no means m- me looking to pick a fight with with him. Uh, not that he'd care. I mean, he's a he's a big asset manager. I'm not right. I'm just out here on YouTube, out here on on um, you know po- podcasts and whatnot. But I, I do want to bring up some some different. Uh, reasons as to why I think this theory is maybe flawed, that it's ultimately maybe not going to play out exactly as he may see it. And I'm sure these are all things that that he uh, has, has heard. Again, this is not intended for him necessarily. It's more so for you guys to give an idea what the dollar milkshake theory is and maybe my take on it. So anyways, the dollar milkshake theory, it's got a cool name, I'll have to admit. And the idea behind it is that, yes, things like national debt here in the United States, uh, corporate debt, consumer debt, quantitative easing, money printing, uh, 0% interest rate policy, all those types of, you know, pension problem, whatever it is, all these problems that I talk about and so many other people talk about here in, in this space about why the dollar is ultimately going to collapse. He is on board with that. However, the dollar milkshakes theory basically states that Before the dollar falls apart, it's going to rise significantly, basically in a a race to the bottom that that the dollar will lose among among all these other fiat currencies. That all these other fiat currencies and all of this uh, money in general, capital, whatever you want to call it, globally, will rush into safe haven assets. Not necessarily just gold or silver, but things like the U.S. dollar, even the U.S. uh, uh, stock market that it'll be seen as a safe haven relative to the yen, the euro, the pound, the yuan, uh, and various uh, stock markets globally, that the dollar, the Dow, etc., will be seen as a safe haven asset. And so what will happen is, is, you know, despite Fed easing or whatever, uh, other central banks are going to ease more, or other currencies will depreciate more, be devalued more and that the dollar is going to rise significantly relative to all these other currencies. Now, he takes issues like, like for example, the U.S. debt, uh, which, which he and I would agree is, is a huge problem, that even something like that can be a positive over the short term for the U.S. dollar because it creates such a huge demand for dollars. I mean, when, when the U.S. government goes out and says, look, we need you know, one and a half trillion dollars worth of funding for this fiscal year. That means that they have to sell 100, you know, one and a half trillion dollars worth of bonds and that those bonds have to be bought with dollars, thus creating a huge demand for dollars. And then, they, you know, the government goes out and spends those dollars, right? That even things like that can create demand for dollars and that that can contribute to this this move up in the dollar. That's really the idea behind this dollar milkshake theory, not just that, Right, but that that a huge source of demand for the dollar is going to be safe haven. It's going to be the U.S. Treasury market, um, and and some other sources uh, that will ultimately push the dollar to potentially new all-time highs relative to other currencies. Now, that's an important thing to keep in mind. You know, one of my one of my uh, ideas about the dollar milkshake theory is that you it know, very well could be true, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's a major negative for gold because all-time highs for the dollar or the dollar index, we're just talking relative to a basket of other fiat currencies, right? And so in a race to the bottom, the, the DXY very well could rise significantly, right? I think I've, ever, I've heard him quote numbers like 130, 40, 150, right, if I remember correctly. But in a race to the bottom, that doesn't mean the dollars, you know, not being totally devalued relative to something like gold, right? Or, or some other, com- you know, a commodity or something like that. So that's something important to keep in mind as well. It very well could be the case, right? You'd have to ask him that, that you know, gold could go to below $1,000 in this scenario. Uh, but that's, you know, I guess my point is maybe that's not necessarily the case. It could just be a big run up in the dollar relative to other currencies, not necessarily to physical, uh, assets or commodities or what have you. Now getting into kind of my, I guess, perspective on it is that he does make a very strong case for this dollar milkshake theory. It's still kind of not my base case of, of what I think is going to play out in the next, uh, uh, global recession by any means. You know, I think much uh, more likely is that, uh, the federal reserve in the next, uh, downturn, is going to ease, which which he'd agree with. Other central banks will do the same, but that it will lead to a pretty significant depreciation of the dollar relative to these relative to these other currencies. I mean, I'll remind you, you know, the dollar index right now stands in you know ninety six range. I want to say ninety five. I haven't checked it in, in, in a little while, uh, but that is despite the fact that the Federal Reserve, which is you know the 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 writer of monetary policy for the U.S. dollar, uh, if we're going to exclude the euro-dollar system for for the time being, they are uh, they have the tightest you know monetary policy of the major central banks around the world, right? If you look at the ECB, the European Central Bank, uh, we're talking they 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 just recently stopped QE, right? Um, their, their rates are, are, I forget if they're at zero or if they're actually negative. I'm, I'm fairly certain the Bank of Japan is negative, right? They're still doing QE, right? Bank of England, uh, People's Bank of China, or even some of these other ones like, like uh, uh, Australia or, or Canada or some of these other larger central banks, um, they're still, relative to the Fed, still on a very much easier path monetarily-wise. Monetarily is a word, uh, but but the point of what I'm saying here is that the Fed, compared to all these other central banks, has had a opportunity or has taken the path of tightening much more than they have, and yet the dollar index stands at ninety, you know, six or whatever it is, right? Well off of its its highs uh, from from a year or two ago, uh, north of of a hundred, and so so in this next recession. Uh, this next global downturn, do I expect the Fed to ease? Yeah, I expect every central bank to ease one way or another, right? We're, we're talking quantitative easing. That's much larger than anything we've seen thus far. We're going to see new types of asset buying, but beyond mortgage-backed securities probably, beyond uh, government bonds, right? And, and we'll see central banks other than the Bank of Japan go into things like buying uh, ETFs and, and domestic stocks and whatnot. I mean, there's been other central banks or or sovereign wealth funds that have done that, uh, but the Bank of Japan is is kind of the big central bank that comes to mind when that policy uh, comes up. There could be other types of debt buying, right? There could be corporate debt buying, right? There could be policies like helicopter money, right, by these other central banks. And so, you know, me saying that the Fed is, is maybe the tightest of all central banks right now, Uh, Is not me saying that other central banks have no room to ease. It's just that the Fed right now has quite a bit more room to ease in terms of interest rate policy. They can go to zero. They can go, uh, to some extent, negative if if they really want to. It wouldn't surprise me by any means. Um, They have decreased their, their balance sheet somewhat. And so QE uh, looks maybe a little bit more reasonable. It's still totally unreasonable in my mind, but but it's going to happen, right? QE uh, very very large amounts of QE, and maybe they have a little bit more room to run in that direction than other central banks, right? And so that right there is is kind of part of my reason that I think, hey, you know, with the dollar being where it is, um, am, am I bullish on other fiat currencies? No, I, I I absolutely agree with the whole race to the bottom concept. It's just that hey, the Fed's got a long ways to ease before they even get to, to on par with the Bank of Japan or the European Central Bank. And because of that, I would expect the dollar to, to come down quite a bit. Now, on the topic of, of something like U.S. debt, this is a really big one and something I'm very, I guess, passionate about. You know, I, I talk about this quite a bit. The, the topic of debt, uh, you know, for I think most people, including myself, for a long time was more so a question of how high can this really go? Like, how long can this go on? And more and more, the question has changed for me to, who's buying all this debt? Who is it that's funding the U.S. government? And it's a bit of a rhetorical question. We can look these things up. In fact, you know, I, I, from time to time, will bring up Wolf Richter from, from uh, WolfStreet.com. And, and he does an excellent analysis of, of just that. How much, you know, who is, is buying this debt? Uh, foreign holders of U.S. debt, uh, domestic holders, the Fed, the U.S. government, et cetera. And and it's kind of been my perspective that, you know, with this debt continuing to rise at a rate of, you know, what, like you know, $1. $1.4, $1. $1.5 trillion a year, uh, and, and that only set to increase. I mean, that is $1.5 trillion deficits a year in terms of how much we're issuing in terms of bonds. That is crazy for a non-recessionary. I mean, that's unheard of for a non-recessionary Period, and I'm sure you get similar numbers if you looked at something like debt to GDP uh, or deficit to GDP. I should say. I mean, you'd have, to, to find deficits at large, you'd have to go back to uh, the, the Great Recession and, and, and time back then. But 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 the point of this is that 1.5 trillion dollars, we're going to need to see a huge appetite for U.S. debt. And and you know, thus far, I mean, things like domestic buyers of it, they've been willing to, to foot that bill. But, but I think their appetite for it is, is limited. I mean, the idea that for the next five years, for the next 10 years, that U.S. domestic buyers of, national, uh, of treasury bonds can somehow absorb, I don't know, $5 trillion plus dollars worth of, of U.S. bonds is, is crazy. I mean, their, their current holdings are, are well, like 7 or $8 trillion? Right, and so we're talking about almost doubling, uh, and 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 that's you know a conservative estimate. Five years, right? If you, if you multiply one point five by five years, you're coming up with a total of, of what uh, seven point five trillion. That that has to be accounted for somehow, and yet we know that deficits tend to rise anyways, right? And so you know never mind what what the. Uh, um, Uh, I forget the name of the organization, Uh, the Congressional Budget Office, the CBO expects the the deficit to be or whatever, you know, in a non-recessionary environment, I'd still expect that number to climb to 1.6, 1.7, 1.8 over the next five-ish years or whatever, you know, depending on tax and spending policies. But if we head into a recession, right, all of a sudden tax receipts drop, you have things like bailouts, you you have uh, potentially stimulus projects, infrastructure projects, um, and all of a sudden, you're, you're looking at deficits, uh, an increase in deficits on the scale of the Great Recession, which was a huge increase. I mean, we were you know, getting pretty close to a s- breaking even, at least, in, like, what, 2006 or 2007. Then all of a sudden, we're talking, like, $1.5 or $2 trillion or whatever it is for some of those years there in terms of deficits. Now, the, the point of me bringing this up is that $7.5 over five years is a lot for domestic investors or current sources of demand to, to soak up. Right. And if you inflate that number even further to, I don't know, ten trillion. Ten trillion, uh, twelve trillion, whatever it is, in US Treasury bond debt. That is a large amount for foreign investors, for domestic investors, the US government, etc., to soak up, especially if, if yields stay where they are, if they continue to fall. Right? Uh, b- because then you deal with things like, like investors saying, hey, uh, Treasury bonds, given reasons A, B, and C, are, are just as a whole. I mean, what if we see the broader uh, uh, bond market beyond the U.S., but, but you know, European countries and the Japanese bond markets, which has seen extremely low yields as of late. I mean, we have something like 12 or $13 trillion worth of, of uh, uh, negative yielding government debt around the world. What if that reverses, right, and this downtrend in, in the U.S., uh, bond yield uh, reverses as well over the next five years, right? What if people realize, hey, this is this is never going to resolve. This is not going to end well, especially if you know this this let's say ten trillion or you know, ten trillion, let's say over over five years or twelve trillion uh, has to be monetized, right? What if the appetite is insufficient, Yields start to rise too much, and all of a sudden you see the Fed step in and say, hey, we're going to monetize this, whether it's through QE or some other mechanism. Right? They can call it monetization, they can call it QE, whatever they want to call it. It's going to be monetization of debt, just like the, the original QE programs were for the most part. What if that happens? I mean, what that's going to do is, is weaken the dollar, right? We can talk all about demand for U.S. dollars because of U.S. Treasury bonds. But what happens if all of a sudden to, to, to satisfy that requirement for debt, for borrowing, the Fed is now inflating the supply of the money through QE or something else, to, to buy those bonds, right? That's kind of my question over the next couple of years is how is the U.S., who's going to buy this stuff? And, and I always come back to, it's going to be the Fed, right? It's got to be the Fed, some amount. And, and if we enter into a situation over the next couple of years where all of a sudden people wake up and realize, hey, uh, the bond market is, is totally irrational, the idea that we have negative yielding government debt or 0 or 1% yielding debt on a country like like Germany or Japan or something or or or, or you know Japan's in a terrible situation fiscally. Germany maybe not so much, but some of these other you know I think France has has negative yielding, you know some of these other European countries. That's crazy. The fact that the US government yield is currently on the 10-year 2%. But that's irrational, right? And 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 the markets I think going to, to reflect that eventually. Right. And I could be wrong. Right. And and if that's the case, then, then maybe this is thrown out the window. People are going to buy these bonds at 2%, 1%, 0%, one 0.1%. I'm talking about these U S government bonds, this, this 12 trillion over five years or whatever it is. Uh, but, um, but if that's, if I, if I'm right in saying that eventually this, this irrationality is going to end, then What does that mean for bonds? And we're talking about much, much higher interest rates. And the Fed is at some point going to have to step in. I mean, can you imagine the U.S. government trying to fund itself at 5% interest rates, 4%, right? Even 3% was a stretch, but 4%, 5%, right? Rolling over a lot of the short-term debt at at something not a whole lot lower than that, at at maybe 3%. I mean, that is a huge cost of borrowing for, for an entity that has... Uh, 22 trillion dollars worth of debt and counting and so that's another part of of my uh uh you know whole i guess take on the dollar milkshake theory again it very well could play out that way but what if or when you know what happens when the fed ultimately begins monetizing u.s debt again What happens when the Fed eases and it turns out, hey, the Fed had way more room to ease than the ECB, the Bank of Japan, and and some other central banks? What happens then, right? I'm not going to totally discount the theory. I think think the euro, the yen, the yuan, the pound, Canadian dollar, Australian dollar, all those currencies have a long, long uh, ways to fall, a lot of, of devaluation to come. Uh, but but I don't necessarily think that the dollar is it's going to be a devaluation. But but is it necessarily going to be a devaluation just against the dollar, or could it be all these fiat currencies being devalued against you know real assets? I guess that's my question. So I guess that's my take on the dollar milkshake theory. As always, I'm welcome to your comments or questions down in the comment section. As always, I'd like to thank you guys from the bottom of my heart for watching this video, listening to this podcast, and God bless.